Hey, what's up, brother man? Hey, hey. how you doing, babe? I'm good, brother. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So how are you enjoying this fall weather? Yeah, no, summer's almost gone, man. You got that chill in the air. We live in the North Country, so it's um, it's noticeable, man. Uh-huh. Summer's pretty much gone. It's all good. I don't mind the fall, though. I don't either. I don't either. I just don't like the winter. Yeah. I yeah. like the look of snow, but I don't like having to move it. <laughs> I hear you there, baby. <laughs> all right, so what what we up to? So, no, nah, man, um, we've been having a lot of discussions lately because there's a lot going on in the fandom that, you know, people are real divided as far as fans go with uh, a lot of different, I guess you want to say creative changes and, you know, being made to a lot of different properties and everything. Movies get made sometimes, and they make a lot of changes that kind of split the fan base a little bit, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, discussions get kind of heated with that. You know, me and Big Brother, we don't tend to argue a whole lot over stuff like this because we actually tend to agree on more things than we disagree with. But we have our own interest in discussions. And, and just so you guys know, that's kind of what we do here. You know, we we end up, um, we often just have phone calls or we'll get together, have a house and pepper, and we end up, you know, debating our own opinions about different things regarding the fandom, you know, movies, books, games, things like that. And... Also, for those of you who are, are new to listening to us, when Jamal just said hot and pepper, that's our affectionate term for beer. Beer. <laughs> we are big fans of having fine hot and peppers from time to time. Yeah, it makes the it makes the debate go down smoothly. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> so yeah, t- today that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about some. Uh, you know, a few film adaptations of uh, beloved books and everything that um, kind of have split the fan base and become kind of divisive and have a little bit of contention. love that intro yeah absolutely i look forward to hearing it every time (laughs) so uh so welcome y'all back to the rap podcast and um so i'm gonna get right into it with this right here um i'm really thirsty and i really would like a hot and pepper so let me see what i got all right what you got for us today this is uh (laughs) this is definitely one of my favorite traditions so as you guys might notice we've actually a lot of times what we end up having is something that i pick up on a road trip mm-hmm. so i was actually down in the albany new york area recently and i i ran across this right here it's called uh it's called checkered past <laughs> it's called checkered past and it's out of what is this uh chatham new york yes yeah, uh chatham brewing right yeah. chatham or chatham all right chatham chatham yeah brewing it's a it's a pilsner, a Czech style pilsner, and it shouldn't be all that heavy. What is it like, four point five percent? Yeah. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But the you know, we'll post a picture on the Facebook page. That's a, that's actually what got me. It says right. a smooth, full taste with an easy malt finish. Definitely, it's a beautiful can. And, and by the way, I've recently uh, we were actually talking about like pouring beer, and for some people. 
Uh-huh, Some uh-huh. people, you know, beer ends up giving you kind of, kind of a stomach ache or making you all bloated and everything because of the carbonation and everything. And we always try to make real pretty pours so it doesn't have like a whole lot of foam and head and everything. But it turns out I'm kind of buying into the idea that if you pour a beer real hard, let it foam up good and then give it a chance to settle. It doesn't you, hurt your belly as bad. Why are you knocking my pretty pour? I'm telling you, man, your pours are beautiful, but, okay. you know. The ugly pour is more effective, apparently. All right, man. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's see what this looks like. All right. All right, let's see. All right, so nice hard pour. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, it's a pilsner. It's not the not the most heady thing. You can see through it. Not quite as uppity as some of that, uh, you know hazy ipas and everything that's not bad yeah i love my ipas but it's nice if i have a little little change every now and then right yeah, man okay so you give that a little bit to settle <laughs> that's the only downside you got to sit there and wait for it to settle before you drink absolutely so before we get too deep in this i want to thank um all of our listeners who's uh uh stuck with us you know, um, over all the shows that we've done, we're looking forward to doing a lot more, hopefully on a more frequent basis. Wait, don't worry. We are well aware. We are well aware of how long we tend to go between episodes. And it's not because we don't want to. It's just life. We're real people. And one of these days, maybe we'll be blessed enough that this will be a full-time job. And right. that'll only happen if y'all make it so. So we honestly do really appreciate anybody who listens. And we got other things in, in the works and everything. And you know, hopefully we can actually make some more content. Uh-huh. We've even got another um, new endeavor that's waiting in the wings that we'll talk about more in the future. <laughs> that oh, we yeah. think that you would all enjoy. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So as that uh, the head on that Pilsner settles, let's get right into it, right? All right. Okay. So let's get an example of what exactly that we're talking about. Okay. Um, okay. You know what? I'm... I'm going to go right for the elephant in the room. Mm. Okay. So the most recent thing that's kind of controversial that um, that people have, you know, argued and everything about on the internet recently is um, they dropped a trailer for the new Little Mermaid movie, right? So you got a lot of people who are split on that. A lot of people who are, I think most people aren't really purist to the, to the IP of the Little Mermaid considering it was a little kid's movie. So a lot of these adult men who are saying, like, well, you, well, in case anybody's living under a rock, the new trailer um, reveals that they've cast a young black girl to play Ariel in The Little Mermaid. And it shows up at the end of the trailer. You clearly see who was casted, and a lot of people have complained about that. So where that's kind of split um, a lot of viewers and potential fans is that... Some people claim that, well, we must be faithful to the source material, which is, for The Little Mermaid, I think there was actually a, a kid's book. And then there's the movie that's the most famous and iconic. Well, I'm pretty right. sure that uh, The Little Mermaid, if I'm not mistaken, was like a uh, Hans Christian Andersen. Um, it was a novel? No, 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 no. Uh, you know, he published uh, you know, lots of individual children's stories. Um, and I believe that that was one of them. Yeah. And, and my understanding is that kind of like, you know, Cinderella, stuff like that. It's yeah. still not a novel, but like a, 
you know, um, you know, I don't know if it's a folktale. You know what I mean? Just like, I got you. Yeah, right. it's kind of a fairy tale sort fairy, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so you know, we we pretty much staunchly remain. Good job, big brother. My bad. You sure you don't want to answer that? Mm. <laughs> All right. We tend to re we remain apolitical with this show. So sadly, politics kind of invades everything nowadays, a little bit. So, um, if let's just put it this way, you have you have one side of people who claim that they want people to be faithful to source material, and then another side that just looks and says, "Well, anybody who doesn't like the changes that were made with this one is just because they're racist." Um, you know. We tend to take claims of like racism and stuff real serious, so I don't I don't really jump into the fray with that all that much. The one thing that I'd say with the whole Little Mermaid thing is that it's a very divisive thing, in my personal opinion, Mitch doesn't necessarily share the same opinion. I'm not going to speak for him. I'm speaking speaking for myself. I, I feel like movie studios and lately in recent years have intentionally. Um, done certain things that might be divisive amongst the fan base in order to kind of get that sort of controversy out there. I do you have know? one quick question though before you go opinion. further. Yeah. Uh, if you don't mind. Oh, why yeah. is it that we both were pouring our beers for the same length of time and you have significantly more beer in your glass? Uh, were you pouring it for the exact same time? I, I think so. I poured harder. Clearly, okay. right. I poured harder. Okay. Well, maybe I haven't quite gotten away from the pretty pour, but I'm trying. Okay. Proceed grow up um <laughs> so all right so so yeah um i feel like a lot of it's intentional and i feel like um i feel like movie studios lately and i think this is another example where you use like you can use the fact that you inject some sort of diversity into a story where was it it's not that it's not that diversity is not a good thing, but if you inject it in in such a way where it seems like you use it as a smokescreen, where the fact that you've done this now with this character, if you have you have a lot of fans who actually have a problem with it, you can easily say that the reason people don't like it, even if the movie might end up sucking, they can say, well, it's just trolls that are racist and don't like this just because of the fact that it's a black girl. That's kind of my opinion, but I've become very pessimistic when it comes to Hollywood and especially like Disney and stuff because it's there's been so many things that I feel have been needlessly controversial in recent years. But that's just my personal opinion. I don't care if Ariel's black or not. The only thing I will say about this is obviously mermaids are not real. The only reason why I think it matters here at all and why there's any legitimacy allegedly. To Allegedly, mermaids now, are not real. According to that National Geographic documentary I saw, that was very believable. Hmm. Well, I, I actually spent at least half an hour one night thinking mermaids were actually real. Well, it's hard to not believe something when they got a guy in there with a disguised voice on. You know what I mean? That's right. If you sit there talking with that disguised voice, then it's like, you know, I saw a thing and, uh, you know, if you talk like that, then how can you not be telling the truth? Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so, but no. All right. So you have some characters that are, whether mermaids are real or not, Ariel is an established, iconic character that has a certain look that people expect. So it's not that you can't make those changes, but it's obvious that if you do make those changes, some people are going to complain. And I think those complaints are legitimate. 
if you actually, if you just say, this is the iconic image and there was no reason to change it other than just to be divisive, you know, but once again, that sounds like a political statement for some reason. And as if I'm making excuses for people who might actually be hateful and racist. But, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's annoying. It's quite the can of worms. It is. You know, right now, because I think, unfortunately, it can kind of be like um, the boy who cried wolf, you know, in a way to where it's like, OK, maybe there are a lot of decisions made as far as casting to be. Uh, which I think you're referring to loosely as a like forced diversity in a way. Yeah. However, there could be other opportunities or times when they've just le legitimately cast the best person for, you know, the role, mm -hmm. you know, so unfortunately because of probably a lot of the former, you know, the latter could be misconstrued. Well, that's the sad thing. That That's, that's the, I, I see what you mean where it's like the boy who cried wolf. You're right. Because they've done it so many times, it makes certain fans apprehensive by default. Right. And that's sad. Right. You know, that, that's real sad. Like now, if I like I would even argue that if Avengers, if everything that's happened besides this has already happened up until this point and then Avengers was made tomorrow and they cast Sam Jackson as Nick Fury and say if Nick Fury had never been black before, people would have a problem with it. But nobody really cared at that time. Hmm. And that is, that is a tasty beer. It is. It's a very tasty beer. It is a tasty beer. Thank you, Chatham Brewery, mm -hmm. for so, creating a delectable libation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, that was, that's me walking on eggshells to address an elephant in the room because I'm trying not to really jump on one side or another. Right. It's more like I really do, I kind of can understand both sides of that. And I just, I don't like the fact that when it comes to something like this, it's minimized, it's, it's made such reductive arguments where it's like either you love it or if you disagree with it, then you're clearly just on the side of just some racist idiots. It's like, it's not always black and white when it comes to fandom, you know, it's really not. All right. Do you, you want to touch on that at all? Or are you going to avoid those darts? Um, yeah, the, um, yeah, um, I'm going to avoid them, I think. There you go. You know, it's a bit of coals. Yeah, it is. You know, and uh, as as I mentioned, it is a, um, it's a rabbit hole in a way. And there's, you know, um, I truly believe it is, like I said, kind of like a um, boy who cried wolf kind of scenario, you know, to where another example, and just very briefly, which hasn't come out yet, but another um, small source of controversy right now with some folks is um, the upcoming uh, Percy Jackson series, which I'm really looking forward to on Disney+. Plus. Hmm. Oh, they're um, doing a series? They're doing a series right now. It's in development. Oh, that's cool. You know, if you haven't read the Percy Jackson series, get out there and, you know, read it. It's a fantastic, fantastic middle-grade book series. Um, but uh, one of the small points of contention right now is one of the main characters, if you've seen the movie, is the character, I believe, of Annabeth, you know, um, who in both the film and the books um uh, she's white or whatever and i believe that the person they've cast um is not you know now um, um the author um really feels by far that the person that they've chosen out of lots and lots of people is you know head and shoulders above the best person for the role but obviously because like we said you know a lot of um the divisive nature of things now 
you know, it's become a point of uh, of contention. Of contention. You, you said there are going to be some people who just by default are going to think that right. they're they're doing the thing, the forced thing. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, and which is you know, it's it's um uh, the best way to, right now. Unfortunately, it's become a catch twenty two. Yeah. Is the best way I think to kind of look at it. You know. All right. So um, if we move on, you know, from there. Yeah, let's move on past that one. Yeah, you know. <laughs> all right, well, it's a look. All right, so the worst example of something where the source material was changed um, and clearly worked out to the detriment of the movie, only a small part of the problems with it was the race swapping in this one. And we've talked about this one before. It's 2017, The Dark Tower. I'm just going to touch it lightly okay. just because I've... We've dove headfirst into that one before. I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen that was, you know, sourced from literally my favorite book series of all time. And me and Mitch have both read mm -hmm. all of those books right. a couple of times. Yeah. And, you know. The Dark Tower series is, is I think, widely received as Stephen King's kind of... Uh, magnum opus. Magnum opus, exactly. You know, you know phenomenal... Um, I, I would put it right up there with any book series ever created. Yeah, yeah, and and fans were, you know, I guess to truly say fans were divided on this might not even be accurate, so it probably shouldn't even be on this list. I think fans universally condemn this movie. It, you know, it was really so bad that there are a lot of people who might be potential fans of the books who, if they saw the movie first, there ain't no way in hell they're picking up the books. You know, like, what's the mm -hmm. point? So... And and I think that some of our conversation here is just like you know are people just you know divided? Was it a bad adaptation? Were there little things that said or whatever? But I would agree that universally, I mean, this is like a you know so certain changes. It, right, so yeah. the point of this is what changes did they make to it? So right. that right. could have been to this detriment or whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah. So swap swapping the gunslinger, the person who played him didn't look anything like he did in the in the books. That clearly is one big change, but the problem with it wasn't the fact that he was that they swapped, you know, a white dude for a black dude. The real reason why it was a problem to me, because they made Idris Elba the guy. Like Idris Elba was one of the best actors in the world. Absolutely. So it wasn't that Idris Elba sucks. It's that because of the fact that they made him the gunslinger, one of the other characters, Detta Walker, is one of the best characters in the book. She's a black woman who lived during the 60s and she literally was like a race played a huge part in her character arc and the fact that the gunslinger was an old white dude that literally was one of the best things about that their uh, relationship and right. everything the growth in a relationship yeah it was right very now. important so the fact yeah. that you race swapped the gunslinger it literally prevented the possibility of Detta Walker's story arc from happening in the first place and thank god she wasn't even in the movie so that was the other change that they made with that was that they tried to condense seven books is it seven books seven books seven books into like an hour and a half long movie so I don't even have to go into specifics right. it, literally everything about it was changed yeah. so it's not like they took a couple of liberties. That entire thing was gutted. And so anyway, yeah, I think that's the most egregious offender on this list. Well, I think the other challenge with with the Dark Tower, as far as that went, was, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's well known for having been a long gestating project that was supposed to have different variations of versions, like a movie, then a series, then another movie after, you know? Yeah. You know, and it, it just, I think it... It seems odd that something that, you know, um, that they originally 
you know, um, this was originally being um, pitched as as large and all-encompassing as another series that we'll kind of end with talking about. Yeah. You know, but it ended up getting really just, you know, um, you know, it's a shame because I would have rather them have not done it and just... Yeah, um, you got that much source material. How do you try to piss so much you've of it got, out you've so got, quickly? Literally, I mean, it's, they would have been better served as, say, doing a movie just, say, about, like, Book Five, Wolves of the Cala, or something like that. Yeah, the backstory. You know, any of those would have or, or been. Or just the OG, the Gunslinger. Or, was, or the Gunslinger. Yeah. Or, yeah, or Wizards of whatever. Just, yeah, the, just the original Gunslinger. You know what I mean? Um, they so, could have done an hour and a half long, the original Gunslinger, and told the whole story, and that would have been solid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we keep, we keep coming back to it only because the sad truth is, if you don't realize it yet, the way things actually work in Hollywood is you have yeah. to prove that you can turn yeah. a profit, or something can get scrapped and buried forever. So the fact that that movie even came out and they did what they did to it, it's going to make any other studio in the future that much more apprehensive of ever touching it. Well, you know? and, and the thing too, though, is I can honestly say that it's the probably the only adaptation of um of a book that i that hurt you know what i mean i mean that it was know, personal at that it, point it, it just was yeah. i mean i was i was such a fan of you know um of the quality of the series i just felt it was a it was a disservice to not just author but even to the people that you know who i mean you know between you know Ilba and McConaughey here, yeah. two, two of the best actors working. You know what I mean? And I, unfortunately, I think they got like kind of short shrift. It's a stain on their careers. Well, I mean, no kind fault of. of their own. I mean, but it's, it's you know, it's just... Fault. Right. You know, um... It but, was terrible writing. It wasn't their fault at all. Right. Um... um Alright, so an, another one that, um... We know personally some people that like the what we would consider the worst parts of this next thing and that's um <laughs> game of thrones right <laughs> all right so i'm a big george r, r. martin fan as far as his yep. books go right. me and mitch we both have read all of the song of ice and fire books well those that have been written if george r, r. martin would finally finish wins a winner which is the next book what has been like over 10 years He's too busy writing all kinds of side stories and backstories and helping with HBO productions of other parts of his material. He can't even finish the doggone books. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, I hate George R. R. Martin. I love his writing and can't stand that dude. He's, he's sitting around. He constantly sends like tweets and social media updates about how many pages he's finished in a new book. And he's been like dragging everybody along, like like you know, holding a carrot on a stick in front of fans for so many years about the next book. And I don't think he's ever gonna finish it. The guy's like seventy; he ain't gonna finish it. You know, I, I don't think so. So anyway, Game of Thrones, specifically season eight. I think it was like season six when they pretty much ran out of source material because because George hadn't dropped the, the latest book yet. That show. Everybody knows that show is one of the best shows that ever were made. And they were fairly faithful to the source material. But it was at around season six or so that they started to deviate greatly. But it's because they were running out of, of, of material. They were going off of George's notes and stuff like that. And they went past where the books were. And they kind of just started having to make up crap. And um, 
Yeah. Uh, should I spoil season? I'm not even going to worry about talking specifics, but season eight, the series basically ended abruptly. You know, they did some things there that seriously divided fans because if you are a fan of the books, then most people who are a fan of the books absolutely hated, hated, hated the way that they ended that show. Some people who were not fans of the books but were just fans of the show, you can kind of split those people right in half. There's some of them are just casual viewers who just like watching something entertaining and didn't care so much about it. Some people took it real serious and and realized that my opinion is correct, is that it was a pile of trash at the end. <laughs> I, you know, That's I, my I subjective would... fact-based opinion. Right. <laughs> Usually we will play a, a hater disclaimer by Jamal, you know, with... Uh, Hey, 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 I'll be that. That's my baby brother's theme theme music there. I would not say that it was a pile of trash. I definitely would not say that it was... Season 8 specifically. I will call it a pile of trash. Okay, okay, okay. You know, I did not enjoy it as much as I did the earlier seasons, you know, and, you know, I did find some things you know, questionable or whatever, you know, but it's like, I mean, with some of these things, you know what I mean? I'm a, I guess I'm a softy and stuff in a way, you know, to where it's, you know, it's, it's easy for me to say, ah, you know, who we on that when literally <laughs> there was hundreds, if not thousands of people working tirelessly around the clock to, to try to create something that, that we have not done. You know what I mean? Uh, it's easy to be in a, Ivory Tower or whatever. Hold on now. Now you can say something. Yeah. You can you can say I can respect the effort that went into something, but yeah. still. But but I mean, but saying something's a pile of trash is not respecting the effort of what these people <sighs> sacrificed years of their lives to try to make. Well, what would you call it? I mean, no, it was. Yeah, it was, <laughs> you could say that you know it could have been in 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 your eyes inferior to the previous efforts. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, by far, it's, you know, I definitely don't feel it was good as the previous mean. stuff. But, well, you sad, know, but sad, Sadly, I, I wish I could separate that and say it has nothing to do with the lead grip or the guy who built the sets. It's Dan and Dave. <laughs> Dan and Dave, those guys are piles of trash. How about that? <laughs> Not the production. <laughs> okay. Dan right. and Dave, the showrunners specifically, those All right. dudes. All right. Well, I told hey. you. Look, they they got the Star Wars People, deal. People, I tried. They got the Star Wars deal. They ran away from this project and burned it to the ground so they could rush out and get the Star Wars uh, project done. And then this flopped, so then they lost the Star Wars project. Hey, 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 all right. Let's leave those dudes alone and move on. Well, because you said I have much more respect for it just because you say mama liked it. Okay. All right. That's right. Okay. That, that saved it for me right there. All right. So the next thing that we'll talk briefly about, you know, is um, moving off of, you know, uh, Game of Thrones, at least for now, is... Uh, Another classic book series, you know, which book series is phenomenal. Another one we're very passionate about, and that's the Harry Potter series. Um, I enjoyed all the movies, you know. Um, 
probably I would say for me, um, the third movie is always my favorite. You know, it was just a, a departure from the theme and tone of the other ones, and it just feels unique. But which that's one not, was the, which one was the third? Oh, that was Azkaban. That was Azkaban. That's right. Azkaban was a bomb. It was great. Azkaban was a great book. <laughs> yeah, you know, and the, just the movie. You know what I mean? Was was great stuff as well. So, so the reason I want to talk about briefly uh, this is, um, some fo- some folks, um, our middle brother, uh, being the one uh, who really comes to mind, uh, had issues with the Goblet of Fire, uh, the fourth movie in the series. Our middle brother, that's uh, Jay, by the way. Yeah, not quite as handsome, not quite as nice of a voice. <laughs> You might you might recognize him. <laughs> the um, but um, he wasn't a fan of the fourth movie because they removed a character who had a you know fairly decent role in the book you know uh, named Ludo Bagman, um, who um, I'd say had a pretty. Big... It's been it's been a while since I read that. What what did he? Who was Ludo Bagman in that book? Uh, Ludo Bagman was very integral in like. Um, like the all the world Quidditch stuff. He was a former famous Quidditch player, you know, played for like the London Quidditch team and, and whatnot and whatever. But, you know, he was, you know, integral in all the, you know, kind of like broadcasting and stuff of the Tribe of the Tournament, all this stuff there. So, you know, he was sprinkled throughout the book and you, you know, um, someone that you saw fairly frequently. Okay. But, you I know, for you. the for the for the film, he was not in it at all. And so I, I guess where the the um so I think some folks, when he when the Goblet of Fire came out, he was someone they were looking forward to seeing. Oh, he was a fan favorite. He was a fan favorite yeah. character, you know, who was not just what well, was just reduced; it was gone, you know. So now, um, now that brings up kind of like a side or a segue, is um, so part of my take on this, as far as our discussion today is, yeah, controversial, divisive, possible decisions, but also sometimes there may be. Um, reasons why the filmmakers chose to do that. Obviously, there must have been some reason or else he would have been in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another similar example would be with The Fellowship of the Ring um, from Peter Jackson, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, there was another huge fan favorite character, and you know who I'm talking about. Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil, where everybody was like, hey, where's Tom Bombadil? Where's Tom Bombadil? Or whatever. And so when they asked Peter Jackson, hey, why was Tom Bombadil not in the Fellowship of the Ring? And his response was basically, you know, as, you know, there's a whole bunch of material, and as you're trying to create a, you know, a narrative that continues to move along as far as, like, the movie goes, Tom Bombadil's role in the book was not essential to the journey of the ring itself. That's true. You know, which yeah. is just true. It's like, as a fan, it sucks not seeing him, but you have to understand that creative choice. Now, I, I remember when I saw the movies before I read the books, and right. you told me about Tom Bombadil first, yeah. and then when I went back and read the books, I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. But I'm like, yeah, he was essentially pointless to the story. Right. To yeah. the story, to the... Yeah, to, for the know. progression of the story. For the progression of the story. And, and exactly. you, you feel the entire time. I remember getting all the way to Return of the King, and I'm actually sitting there thinking to myself, like, this Tom Bombadil dude's going to show back up at some point. Right, yeah. Like, you think he seems so important that right. he probably could have made short work of the journey so right yeah but yeah that's a rational decision yeah you know yeah, to yeah. keep him out so anyway so with the goblet of the fire you know it's one of those things where i've myself i've wondered over time you know okay you know why they pull ludo you know who knows i'm, I'm trusting that they have you know 
for some reason, but it, you know, it has been something that's weighed on the mind of fans, you know? Hmm. Yeah. An important character or not important necessarily, but mm. a character that fans wanted. Now staying in, in middle earth, there was another, you know, um, you mentioned, hold on. You mentioned something about the Meg. Oh, I did. When we were talking earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I don't know yeah. if any of y'all in the sharks, but ain't nothing Mitch likes more than talking about some damn sharks. Okay. <laughs> All right. So another book to film adaptation, you know, which, you know, has drawn the ire of some folks. It's, you know, chief among them, the, uh, <laughs> the Facebook Jaws forum that I'm a participant in. Um the Jaws community. Those, they roll hard and deep. You know what I mean? That's true. You know. hey. So anyway, um, the Meg series by Steve Alton. It's a brilliant book series. You know, I'm not exactly how sure how, exactly how many books right now. I'm guessing five, six. I think he has a, f a final book in the series coming out next year. But they're fantastic books. The first book, just called Meg you know, was amazing, you know, so, um, and it, it, the, it did a great job, you know, at conveying just the primal force of this, of this creature, you know, and so I just feel that, and, and don't get me wrong, now, the, the movie, I did not hate the movie, you know, um, I watched the movie, I enjoyed the movie, you know, however, you know, like, as I'm, looking through my voodoo account and other things and movies and stuff to watch that I own, I'm not landing on this. Oh, hey, I feel like watching the making. I'd sooner go read the book again, you know, just because, you know, uh, and, and that's another thing. And this is a project that, you know, Steve Altman, just from you know, me reading his correspondence and publications and stuff like that, you know, they worked a long, long, long time, 20 plus years or whatever, to try to bring this to screen. And it, you know, was, um, you know, it was, supposed to be at a big studio and then this happened and this you know we got changed hands and hmm. many times and well ultimately it got brought to the screen I'm, I'm my assumption now is they're in the process of making a sequel you know but the the source material this deserved to be a jurassic park level investment type of film you know what i mean you know so Oh, I got you. So you're saying that at the end of the day, they a lot of things happen just because the budget was lower than it deserved. Yeah, the budget was lower that. than it deserved. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the the movie, but you know, it's like right now. I mean, you've got some movies that you may see straight to Netflix. You know that you know could still be Hollywood movies, but do you know what I mean? I think you you said something funny earlier. Mitch described he described the quality of the movie that they made as a high level B movie. No, very high, very high <laughs> level B movie. You know, which is that's oddly specific. It makes sense. I understand exactly what you what you you're coming. I'm assuming that, like, I think I saw the movie. Was it from? I think I wrote it. It's like 2018. Yeah, it's not that old. I mean, I think and, I saw. It. I know it's in our Voodoo account. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the movie, but I I, I don't pine to go watch it again. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You know, um, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a it's a mixed bag. Even a lot of the other Shark Jaws fanatics and stuff that you know kind of split. A lot of people like really like it. A lot of people just don't. So you know what's real funny? That kind of raises something I hadn't even considered before because when we were having this discussion earlier it was more concerning like creative liberties that were taken like by showrunners or movie producers when they're adapting a book 
But that right there is a whole different level where the budget is the thing that actually makes a big difference. How much money is being invested? Are you making the movie and giving it the giving it what it deserves in order to make it good? It's like yeah. it's like the reason why the new Dune movie Dune is one of my other favorite you know book series and the old one in truth. Not that they didn't they didn't have a problem with the budget with the one that was done in the eighties. It was more just the technology wasn't there to make it look the way that it needed to look in order to be, you know, what it could have been. And then the new one, they clearly had both. They had the tech and they had the budget. So, yeah, that's different right there. I hadn't considered that at all. Uh-huh. That some movies probably just shouldn't be made if you're not going to make them right. Well, I mean, the the two things, the things that bookended that movie. Well, I, I, let me take it back. The, the, um, the prologue of the book. In the climax of the book, in the prologue of the book, you know, I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't read it. Read it because Can you I tell encourage me about you that? to read it. Describe that. That's dope. Well, That's in, in, the, in the prologue of the book, you know, uh, I guess this is a spoiler in a way, but it's, it's a twenty-year-old book or whatever, you know. But in the prologue of the book, it opens up with like in the Jurassic era or whatever, and there's some some herbivores frolicking whatever on the beach, and then a T-Rex is watching them from the tree line. Runs out of the tree line, chases them into the ocean. So all these, you know, planting the dinosaurs run away from the T-Rex and go into the ocean, and then the T-Rex chases them. But then after a while, the other dinosaurs stop, reverse, run back towards the beach, right past the T-Rex, who, you know, could have reached over and probably chomped them while they were running back. So you're like, okay, why are these things so scared? Then this T-Rex sees a giant fin in the water, you know, probably a few hundred feet away. So he turns, tries to head back, but he's stuck like in the silt or whatever in the, uh, you know, on the shoreline. And that's it. It's a wrap. The Meg comes up and just eviscerates or whatever this T-Rex and, and that's it. And then we cut to the future. So, so yeah. So if you, (laughs) if you picture that, if you're watching like a movie, if you, if you picture that on the big screen, that's going to set you up. That's the equivalent of the opening scene of Jaws when a girl gets taken down by the shark near the buoy. Mm -hmm. It sets up the rest of the movie as far as it's just shocks you like that. And so you're afraid of the shark. That you don't even see till the end of the movie, for the rest <laughs> of the movie. So, on, on the back end of that, and the book, the way that he ends up um, c- killing the Meg or whatever, he literally gets swallowed by it, and uh, like stabs it like in the heart. He kills oh. it from the he kills it from the inside, you know, in the actual book or whatever. You know, I'm so it's like, you know, I mean, those are two big, you know, so here's my thing. If whoever decided to make and buy that movie, those are two things that they read, which I'm sure helped compel them to want to make the film, but they did not make it into the film. Oh, so neither one of those things happened. That's insane. But so, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, you know, it's like I love Jason Statham. A lot of the other, you know, uh, the Cliff Curtis was in it. There's a lot of great, you know, um, a lot of great actors in the in the film. You know what I mean? But it just could have been, could have been much more. All right. Way that, better than The Dark Tower, but could have been better. Yeah, well, you know, I dropped a deuce early that was better than The Dark Tower. So anyway, you want another Hudson Pepper? Yes, please. Okay. That's... 
Point number two. Point number two. All right. Okay, so we are in the home stretch Brother, here. Brother, pour it hard. Stop I am. Stop pouring all soft. I might, my hands not. This is ninety degrees. My glass is at ninety degrees. It's not a. It's not a pretty pour. Get you, get you some business. <laughs> it's like pops. Yeah, that's what dad's dad used to say it all the time. <laughs> get you some business. All right. All right. Uh, let's go back to Middle Earth. All right. Okay, so, um. Let's just say I didn't mind it so much, and neither did Mitch, even though a lot of people... And a lot of people had a problem with this one. So, Lord of the Rings, obviously, is legendary. But The Hobbit, when Peter Jackson came back and made The Hobbit in 2012, there were, um, let's just say, there was a lot of division when it came to that. And, I mean, you take a short children's book, basically, and they stretch it out to three... <laughs> to like three three hour epics yeah. and I mean obviously there's no way you're going to do that without making a whole ton of changes is it a cash grab yeah yeah the studio wanted another trilogy because it made a boatload more money than just a single shorter movie but still um, it was entertaining it took you back to Middle Earth it was a lot of nostalgia but I think my opinion Mitch I want to know your opinion why people had issues with it but my opinion is a big part of it was nobody minds heavy reliance on like member berries, you know. You you're gonna bring back the nostalgia bait. But why don't was... you explain to some of our listeners who aren't familiar with what a member berry is? <laughs> since it, so, since, I, you, since know, you have like, a PhD in member berry area. Nah, I've been using that for a while now mm -hmm. and I never even saw where it came from. I was just told recently that it came from like a South Park episode or something like that. Where um it came from the South Park episode or something. I'm not even going to try to describe what happened in the show. But a member berry is essentially something you see in the movie that's either like a prequel or a sequel to something else that was very popular. And you could basically imagine like, oh, uh, like in Hobbit, it's like, oh, you see that elf right there, Legolas? Remember him? Oh, you see this thing over there? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They did that in the other movie. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. So somebody, people started calling it member berries. It's, it's funny as hell to describe it that way. But um, so anyway, in The Hobbit, they um, in the the technologies advanced so much more because Fellowship of the Ring came out in 2001. All those movies were 2001, 2002, 2003. CGI's come a long way. Because it's come a long way, people lean on it and use it a lot more than they otherwise might need to. So Peter Jackson had heavy reliance on CGI in The Hobbit to a point where it's a lot of things that happened in that movie that were, you know, downright ridiculous. Because if you... You know, when it comes to CGI, if you can envision it, you can show it on screen. And Jaws, as Mitch was talking about earlier, would not have been anything like it was when it was made if they had CGI. If they had a CGI shark, there's no way they would have used the animatronic, goofy-ass shark like they did. But that goofy shark made that movie that much more terrifying than I think it would have been if they used some CGI shark and showed too much of it. Yeah, I mean, and you the know. thing with the thing with that is, the majority of the time, the sh the shark was broken. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. They had all kinds of problems on set. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, all kinds of problems on set. You know? Yeah. yeah. They they actually had like a um, like a stage play that came out I think recently that starred uh, <clears throat> the actor that played uh, Quint. 
Yeah, his son. Yeah. And the, the name of it was The Shark is Broken, you know? Oh, it was ripping on the problems that they had on set. With yeah, you know, and oh, then, but just in the the uh, the dynamics between the the lead actors and stuff, you know what I mean. And the, imagine and imagine that scene in Jurassic Park when the T Rex showed up and ate that goat. Yeah, if they had CGI as a potential back then, if it was the option, there's no way that would have happened. Right. It wouldn't have looked like that. Yeah. They would have told. They wouldn't have built this animatronic T Rex head, but that thing looked real as hell, and it was terrifying. Stan Winston, baby, very different. So, so basically, yeah, I think that's one thing that really divided a lot of fans with the Hobbit, plus a lot of the liberties that they took with the story. Um, but I mean, yeah, if, if great the, movies. Though. If the yeah, I mean, you know, and as much as we say with that, you know, like I saw each one in the theater with the the last one, the Battle of Five Armies, Five Armies. I saw that in Montreal in 3D IMAX, you know, so I was, you know, big time ready to go see it. And I enjoyed them. I've got the extended editions of all of them right here on my wall in 3D or whatever. However, I think had it been one long, like, if it had been one movie that was like, say, the length of like the extended two towers or something like that, it would have been the best thing ever. You know what I mean? Because it would have, you know, you'd have had to, you know, concentrate all that goodness into like one film you know yeah absolutely absolutely but, you, you know, know that that would have made it fall like you know a couple billion dollars short at the box office. yeah you know but i mean it's yeah <laughs> no I well, i'm not it. gonna knock them for you know make your money that's the whole point no no absolutely. and obviously we went and saw it yeah you know right i'm not even complaining yeah. about it at all and again it, you know but now as opposed to some of the other things that we've discussed like, say, Meg or the Dark Tower, I'll sit down and watch The Hobbit right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Not before I would watch, you know, Peter Jackson's, I mean, the, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You know, but I'm not hating on The Hobbit. But I definitely understand a lot of the division and criticism and stuff over I mean, when you got something like Jamal said, that is a, literally, it's, I think, less than half the size of the first book in The Lord of the Rings. And then it becomes three long movies, that's you know right you know and so yeah well you stretch a lot of stuff out and create a lot of stuff where it otherwise wasn't but then again yeah it's a lot of things they did with that that you know when i read that book there are a few things in there that felt exactly like it was when i was reading the book so peter jackson gets props from me no matter oh, yeah. what absolutely yeah absolutely no what. and weather digital what is what is fantastic as yeah. far as it, you know even if you things. even if you look at it like say you know um you know, Jordan was still good when he came back and played for the Wizards. It wasn't the Bulls, Jordan, <laughs> but it was still good. Well, it was a leap right there, boy. Right? But that made sense. I feel you. I understand exactly what you're saying. All right, so we're going to stay in Middle Earth and address the other elephant in the room. This is the last elephant. The last elephant in the room. All right. But it's a big I, one. I have not watched a single episode out of my own personal protests. Mitch has been watching it. And we're talking about the Rings of Power. So, I have never seen a more, you know, divided fan base than something like this. Um, and and I think they did it to themselves. You know. Um, okay, so Rings of Power. My understanding is... What do they have the rights to? I don't remember. What does Amazon have the rights okay, to? Okay, so that, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Because that's one of the most important parts about right. it. Right, you know, yeah. so 
um, from everything that I've garnered and read, you know, they have access to stories, say, from, you know, say the first or second age of Middle Earth, but not the third age. Which, which books would, would that be? Um, you know, that would be, you know, say mostly the appendices and whatnot from the Lord. It's not the Cimmerillion or I think... Or even unfinished tales, you know but what I mean? They, I think they have the actual Lord of the Rings with the appendices, right? Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Right? But but not the content from the Third Age. So any of the okay. stuff, like say, you know, um, from like say after um, Gollum's Ring, all that stuff there, or whatever. However, in the most recent episode, they I forget the character's name, but they mention a character. Who only his name even only appears in the Silmarillion. So from other videos I've watched, it seems that even though their blanket thing does not include the Silmarillion, it seems that under certain circumstances, you know, they can use um, stuff. So yeah. you know what I mean. You know, I'm I don't know what their process is for getting that permission, but yeah. So, so the biggest points of contention when it comes to Rings of Power right. is so almost everything that we kind of talked about earlier. And one of the biggest, the first thing that a lot of fans jumped out and and had issues with is that they they did a they did a lot of swapping. You know, they they injected a few things where people felt like it really had no place. You know, considering well, they, you know the thing, and I don't I don't want to cut you off. You know, but no, no, go ahead. I wouldn't even so much call it. Swapping, you know, because the, the majority of the characters of diversity that are in the show are created characters. You know what I mean? So it's not swapping per yeah, se. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's why I was like injecting things. That's right. what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and considering the fact that it's not even just about whether or not. So considering the, the, the point of the entire books being the history of basically, you know, Anglo-Saxon history of England. Right. You know, it was it was pretty clear that there were certain races of characters. And when you when you talk about fantasy, you talk about race. Race does not refer to ethnicity like we know it in this world. Race refers to essentially species, you know. Um, you might have different hues of skin tone when it comes to men. But for the most part, different species were fairly similar. Um, there was some diversity there. It's not like it didn't exist at all, except... It seems like what they did with this, everything that we talked about earlier as far as, in you know, intentionally making certain changes, they came out on a whole press tour, Amazon did, with the actors preaching about, you know, diversity and inclusion was basically the main topic of focus of everybody who came out talking about this during the press tours in the lead-up to the premiere. Just because of that right there, that was a guarantee of an immediate backlash from a huge host of fans and it had nothing it had nothing essentially to do with just racism but that was the thing that was leaned on by the showrunners i mean you know? the, the i mean the the challenge is <clears throat> i it it i think the show would be kind of you know, even with kind of hardcore fans, better received had that not been the focus. One hundred percent. If they hadn't come out like but, that, because yeah. in all honesty, you know, um, the uh, the kind of uh, uh, the the uh, the dwarf princess, Disa. Disa. Yeah, she's she's a great Disa. character in the show, um, and also I forget his his name escapes me. 
but you know the the Hobbit. No, not no. The, well, oh, the, 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 the Harfoots, the elf guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, he's great. You know what I mean? And he's a creative character as well. But he's a good character. You know, um, the um, or even you know the, the you know the the Harfoots or whatever who are kind of like a offshoot of the Hobbits or whatever. You know, but. I think, you know, as Jamal mentioned, he hasn't watched it, but I, I've, I've watched every episode. I, I've enjoyed, you know, the episodes. Again, do I enjoy them remotely as much as, you know, the, I mean, you know. You have here's to compare the on the Peter the, Jackson's the, work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No comparison. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so. It's not fair. And when I talk with, my, my, you know, my other brother about it, if you, if I try to watch it in a vacuum, you know what I mean? And and look at it as its own standalone thing. Okay, here, here. Okay, here's the way I look at it. All right, um, the kind of holy trinity of Tolkien artists. You've got, you know, um, you got Alan Howe. Um, no, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You've got Alan Lee. Then you've got uh, John Howe. John Howe. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the third person, his name escapes me, but hopefully it'll come to me here in a minute. But they've each got distinctive um, visual styles. So let's say, for example, I could, I could see I've got like three John Howe books, you know, on my bookshelf I can grab right now. And his artistic style is completely different from Alan Lee. But for me to say, okay, look, John Howe is the real... You know, token. That's just just a matter of preference. So, so in a way, it's kind of like you know, I, as I'm watching them, I'm trying to keep them separate from what Peter does. Now, where some contention and stuff can come in is unfortunately because they only have access to the lesser known material, as opposed to the whole. You know, they're um, to do what they've said they want to do for the length of time they want to do, they've got to extrapolate, which is automatically going to well, that bring would, issues. That would on its own. Now, yeah. the only problem here where, yeah. obviously, I, I, think, I think that perspective is way too generous for them. Okay. But the only reason why is this right here is because if you, okay, you can look at it in a vacuum, but the problem is that you create the situation yourself. It's self-inflicted wound considering the fact that you come out claiming to be faithful to Tolkien right. and claiming that this is a Tolkien thing. Peter Jackson explicitly said in an interview where he said, we made it a point not to inject our own uh, politics or our right. own worldview right. into this. We said, we thought we'd make this the way Tolkien would right. want it. And I'm like, that was respectful to the lore. With these people, like I said, since they come out and they they explicitly point out that representation was literally at the top of a priority of, you know, casting and everything. If representation is above storytelling, I think right away you've already lost a huge segment of fans. And you've done the exact opposite of what Tolkien was not a fan of allegory. You know, apparently he did not like allegory or to be preachy with his own worldview into things. He was a Catholic, obviously. Right. And it was it was a lot of, really, it was a lot of religious imagery when it comes to the story. It really, really was. But at the end of the day, if you are preachy and injecting a, a modern worldview into a timeless tale like that, that 
you know, nowadays I think that's where they go wrong a lot of times. They want to modernize a tale or, or try to make a story reflect the real world. And then you lean on the fact that it's fantasy and fake when you tell people why do you care. But it's like you're the one who said you tried to make it like the real world in the first place, but then you use the fact that it's a fantasy to explain away the changes that you make and tell people why do you care it's not real anyway. It's like you want it both ways. So my act of protest of not watching it is just... That, that's, that's what my principal stand is, is because they're the ones who created the division and intentionally you know, came out preaching about the diversity first. And I have a problem with that just by default. So I, I guess I feel like nowadays, if somebody makes something, if you're going to use Lord of the Rings as a vehicle to tell your personal story, I'm like, tell your own personal story and stay away from the fandom. You know, you don't have to touch this property if you're not going to respect it. And I'm like, just because you made it, it doesn't mean I have to watch it. You know, so I, I watch a lot of... <laughs> I watch a lot of, uh, like, recaps and everything and reviews of each episode by people who are haters like me. I'm a self-admitted hater. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But I lo- but, but we love you anyway. You think so? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. So we want to we want to thank um, Chatham Brewery again for creating such a a, de- uh, a delectable beer. Checker Pass is tasty. Yeah, yeah. Checker Pass is tasty. Absolutely. You know what I mean. If you can think of any any uh, movies or adaptations that we didn't cover, feel free to reach out to us. And the way that you can do that is hit us up on our Facebook page at facebook.com. For, uh, slash rap podcast. You can also send us an email at rapcoppodcast at gmail.com. That's rap with a W. Also consider leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts as well. It'll help other people find our show. Hey, why y'all listening to us right now? Why don't y'all go on out, have a hot and pepper, and uh, watch some movies, read some books, and play some games. <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.